Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Why was Andrew Thomas allowed to remain in the game? Why was Graham Gano allowed to remain in the game? Why was Daniel Jones allowed to remain in the game? Why do we continue to have this conversation seemingly every week with this Giants team where they're putting their players in the worst possible situation and only injuring them further. Thomas missed seven weeks. Gano potentially out the rest of the season. Jones out the rest of the season, potentially some next year. Again, they're allowing injured players to play in important roles, in important positions, and it, I just don't understand it. To me, on the outside looking in, it's, it's a mind-boggling thing. I don't understand why you would risk destroying the hamstring of your all-pro left tackle the knee of your $160 million quarterback, why you would send Graham Gano out there knowing full well it's public information that he needs potentially season-ending knee surgery and you rely on him not to kick just one but to kick two field goals, including the potential game winner, which turned out to be the game loser. Like, it's just, it's crazy to me that this situation has been allowed to repeat. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here along with my good friend Dan Benton. It's the Giants Wire podcast powered by the USA Today Network and available wherever you get your pods. We appreciate you joining in. We hope you subscribe and stick around during what Dan looks like will be a miserable grind to the finish line here for this 2023 version of Big Blue, right? We're we're back in the misery here. It's um, it's disheartening to think that there's nine weeks of the season left. <laughs> That we have long time. to cover this, yeah. That we have to cover this team for nine more weeks and eight more games is, uh, boy, that's trying. I'll tell you what. You know, I think the lead story right now with the Giants, obviously, is Daniel Jones being out for the season with a torn ACL. First of all, before we get into everything around, there, there's a lot of different storylines around this this injury for Jones, and I know you have some interesting takes on it on when the injury happened, how long he was on the field with a potential ACL injury, all that. I want to have you tell the people all your thoughts there but first of all i freaking hate this for dj i genuinely i genuinely think dan he poured everything he had into trying to be on the field for the giants this season took a beating never complained we've talked about that probably should never have been in that raiders game in the first place i don't know what the severity of that neck injury was he could have been shut down he tried to be out there and play i know this is not a the knee and the neck are not related but uh the dude went out there he tried he took a beating and uh, this is a really rough season for him all the way around. The games he did play in did not go well. Now he's got two horrible injuries. He's going to be rehabbing for this one into next season. It puts his future with the Giants in doubt. I just, I hate this for Daniel Jones. Yeah. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. It's just, it's unfortunate. And uh, you know, there's a subset of the fan base that's happy that this happened, which is, you know, utterly disgusting, but you know, that is just what it is these days with the Giants and, and, you know, a certain section of this fan base. It's unfortunate, but that's where they are. Um, but as it relates to Daniel Jones, I feel for him. I feel for him in the same way that I feel for Tyrod Taylor, who, you know, according to Dayball, may or may not return this season. So any notion that, you know, because I text you when Daniel Jones went out and I said, you know, maybe Tyrod gets another chance after all. But now it looks like maybe that's not going to be the case. We'll see somewhere down the line. But it's really unfortunate for both of these guys who 
are, are good men, who are good leaders, who are good in their community. They're respected in the locker room. Um, you know, they're quality quarterbacks that just continually catch bad breaks. And in consecutive weeks, they've, you know, caught bad breaks again. It's, it's almost hard to believe that this is where both of them are. Um, it's really unfortunate for Daniel Jones that it happens this way because it's going to completely change the trajectory of his career. Um, who knows where it goes from here? We'll talk about that a little bit in a second. But uh, just overall, it's unfortunate because he pushed himself to come back early, uh, pushed himself even harder once Tyrod got hurt. He only had three practices. As you said, the knee and the neck may not be related, but he probably shouldn't have been out on that field in the first place, at least not this week. He probably should have had a few more practices under his belt. But, you know, the, the, the circumstance dictated what happened there, and the Tyrod injury kind of forced their hand, I think, what compounded matters was, and we'll talk about this as well, he got injured early in the game, not when, you know, not on the last play of the first quarter, like most people seem to believe is when he got injured. He actually got injured earlier in the game. Uh, probably should have been taken out then before the injury became more severe. Whether or not anybody caught it or he said anything to the training staff or the coaches, I don't know, but it was evident that he had an ACL injury earlier on in the game. So, you know, and then he stayed on after the ACL was completely torn and still tried to play. And I, that's a testament to the kind of person that Daniel Jones is, the kind of leader that he is, and the kind of respect that he has for his teammates that he's going to give it his all. And it's unfortunate that some people are cheering this, but, um, you know, it, it stinks for DJ, but it tells you what kind of person and player and teammate he is. Yeah, the dude is like, you got to drag him off the field. That, those are my kind of players. Uh, I like those kind of players. But, um, when you're talking about Daniel Jones now in his future, it's like it's hard to it's hard not to use the past tense. It, it feels it feels really murky, right, Dan? Because a midseason ACL it kind of puts you on the Kyler Murray timeline, right? Like Kyler Murray's still, as we speak, working his way back from a midseason ACL last year. Now he had the runway with Arizona. The, they gave him the rope to come back. They just kind of plugged the gap. We're fine losing games, I think, this year and resetting, and they're gonna bring Kyler Murray back in now I think does Daniel Jones get that kind of runway is that the situation we're looking at for the Giants or are no. we look yeah I don't think so you don't think so I know go ahead no. yeah speak on that well I mean listen I think one of the first things that was brought up when when Daniel Jones suffered the injury was that Wondell Robinson had suffered an ACL injury around the same time last year and he managed to make it back in time I don't think that's going to be the case in this particular instance um, I don't know how bad the swelling on Daniel Jones's knee is, but however much longer it takes him to get the surgery is however much longer the rehab is going to be. And the further down the line we get, the less likely it is that he's going to see time next year. Um, and I say that with the belief that the Giants are going to draft a quarterback because they really don't have a choice uh, given the situation and where they're going to end up drafting at this point. And if they start a rookie quarterback next year, as opposed to someone like Tyrod Taylor, um, and they play even moderately well, even at the level Daniel Jones was playing at, really, you can't go then and bench your rookie quarterback midway through the season and plug Daniel Jones back in. It's just, it's just not the way that it's going to work. It's not the way that it can work. So for Daniel Jones, he's going to be on the roster next year. Financially, he sort of has to be on the roster next year. Uh, 35-some million dollars guaranteed uh, to him, um, releasing him waving him, whatever, will, will cost an astronomical amount of money. So he will be on the roster. Chances are he's going to start on the physically unable to perform list or IR, whatever, whatever have you. Um, but again, if you start, you draft and start a rookie quarterback, you're not going to be able to make that substitution, especially looking down the barrel at an out in Daniel Jones's contract. Just 
you know, at the end of next season. So assuming that he, you know, is able to play halfway through next season, you're not going to plug him back in, you know, for, for nine weeks of the season and then, you know, part ways with him after that. So unfortunately for Daniel Jones, this probably does signal the end of his Giants career. He will be a Giant next year. He will be in a uniform again. Uh, whether or not he takes another step for the Giants is, is another conversation. Uh, but further on down the line, it does seem that this is destined to end a divorce. Yeah, it does. It's 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 wild because I mean, at the uh, you know at the start of the league year when they gave him that new contract, I mean, it, to go from that moment to now is insane. We talked a lot about the contract in the summer, Dan, when that happened, or the spring. I'm sorry, and you know. How do you think Joe Shea and the Giants, do you think they set this up to be okay? Do you think, I mean, I don't believe in cap jail. I don't think the Giants will be in cap jail. I think they'll be able to figure this out. That When you have a big quarterback contract like this, there's always going to be some dead money if you end up moving on from the player. But the Giants kind of prepared for this type of situation, right, if it didn't work out with Jones because they front-loaded his contract, as you were saying. It's, everything's guaranteed in 2024, but the the years later in the contract, I think 2026 was not no guarantees, right? So they can get out of this. There'll be some dead money, but do you you don't think they'll be? Will they be strapped? I mean, if you have a rookie quarterback, who you're going to turn to that player's kind of cheap. So I mean, yeah, you don't want to be eating dead money at the quarterback position, but it doesn't feel like they're in a situation where they're just completely screwed from a financial. That that's just my feeling on it, my reading well, on it. What do you think? Yeah, next year is not particularly wonderful for them in terms yeah. of with him on the, know, the financials. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's an astronaut. Like I said, it's a that's a substantial amount of money to pay for that's a quarterback tough. who's not yeah. playing or on the bench. You know, uh, so that does stink. And then you know, if you get a first round rookie quarterback, you know, the league now has predetermined length and 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 monetary you know aspects of that contract that are set in stone now. So you're paying that rookie. I think Daniel Jones's contract was something like uh, four years twenty. Five twenty-six million dollars. So, I mean, it's not it's not huge money like what Daniel Jones is being paid. But when you add his salary on top of that, plus whatever quarterback is there to be the backup next year, um, you know, in the time that Daniel Jones is not with the team and not able to play, you are going to be spending a pretty penny on the quarterback position, and that will hurt in the short term because there's so many other holes that that the Giants need to address on this roster. Uh, to even give a quarterback, whether it's Daniel Jones or someone else, the chances, you know, there's a lot of money tied up in one position there and particularly a one player who's not playing. So, you know, again, in the short term, it's not the best thing, but the long term, it's not nearly as bleak. And they do have that out that will carry some dead money. Uh, but the benefit of having a rookie quarterback on their rookie contract is it's not overly expensive. So they can wade those waters, but it basically puts the Giants in a situation now where they're a little bit hamstrung in terms of the financials going into next season, and they probably won't be able to address all the areas I need as a result of it. So, you know, it's basically like tack one more year onto this rebuild that's now 12, 13, 14 years deep. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the Giants were probably planning to give themselves an out, but they planned to have Daniel Jones as their quarterback in 2024. So yeah, this is, this no, is, no one was expecting. Yeah, yeah no one was expecting a torn so, ACL. So. so this is rough. Um, but now we've got, so you, you thought Daniel Jones, you mentioned this earlier, Dan, you thought Jones hurt his knee, potentially his ACL, right at the beginning of the game, stayed in there, yep. and then the knee continued to tear on different plays throughout until he finally, it finally just gave out on him and he fell over. Right. 
Uh, well, the Giants, the Giants did confirm that it happened earlier than the last play, which I think everybody kind of knew because, you know, it was pretty evident uh, on that last play of the first quarter that his ACL was torn. I mean, it doesn't take you don't have to be a doctor or a surgeon or anything like that or a sports medicine expert to, to recognize what had happened there. Yeah. Um, it was foolish for him to remain in the game. Whoever's, you know, whoever's had that falls on. But, yeah. Uh, again, if you if they were paying closer attention, it seemed like he was hurt on the first series of the game. There was a point where he ran out of bounds. He went down. He drove his kneecap pretty hard into the ground, and he was immediately flexing his knee. And he, had, he was flexing his knee in between plays for, you know, two series. And it was clear that when he was trying to set and throw, that there was he just wasn't able to plant properly, and he wasn't able to put any strength on that back leg. And you saw that with the throws; they were starting to sail, and he was flexing his knee and flexing his knee and you know, then then the non-contact injury happened there, and he just went down. And you know, as someone who suffered a torn ACL and MCL and PCL all at the same time, uh, I could tell you that you don't. If you don't tear it immediately, you kind of feel like you can still, you still go. Like maybe, oh, maybe I just sprained the knee or whatever. Um, and that's sort of what it looked like to the naked eye for me, as someone who's dealt with that injury before. That maybe he suffered like a partial tear. Uh, he was still able to walk. He was still able to run. He had scrambled after that. So maybe he was feeling like he could do a little bit more, but the second he went down with that, that non-contact uh, at the end of the first quarter, he should have been pulled in from the game. Frankly, he should have been pulled from the game earlier because it was, it was pretty evident that he had suffered a knee injury. Um, especially if you go back and watch it now, uh, you can see it very clearly that he had suffered a knee injury earlier. Um, nobody seemed to spot it. He didn't seem to tell anybody. If he did, it went ignored. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, I'm not trying to point any fingers at anybody at the player, at the coaches or anything like that, but there's a team of professionals on the sideline. that are supposed to recognize those sorts of things. And unfortunately they didn't, uh, they left him in even after it was very clear that he had suffered the torn ACL, which was completely foolish. And the argument was, uh, well, he said he could go, well, of course he's going to say he could go That's As a him. coach. Sometimes you got to protect your players from themselves. Mm-hmm. That's part of the job. That's why these are highly paid medical professionals that you're supposed to listen to. Uh, throwing your quarterback out there, your $160 million quarterback, on what's very clearly and obviously a torn ACL, not the best decision in the world. And it's just one of many of those questionable you know, decisions that Dayball and company have made this year. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a business decision. Usually we're talking about a business decision where a player's not putting themselves in, in line for an injury. Jones is out there. His livelihood is that knee. Mm-hmm. And he's... Uh, is he's pushing to stay on the field. That's just who he is. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I respect him for that, but it, it was a kind of an ugly scene. And yeah, him staying in the game clearly injured Dan. Not the first time. I think you were just alluding to it. Andrew Thomas. Why was Andrew Thomas allowed to remain in the game? Why was Graham Gano allowed to remain in the game? Why was Daniel Jones allowed to remain in the game? Why do we continue to have this conversation seemingly every week with this Giants team where they're putting their players in the worst possible situation and only injuring them further. Thomas missed seven weeks. Gano potentially out the rest of the season. Jones out the rest of the season, potentially some next year. Again, they're allowing injured players to play in important roles, in important positions, and it, I just don't understand it. To me, on the outside looking in, it's, it's a mind-boggling thing. I don't understand why you would risk destroying the hamstring of your all-pro left tackle 
the knee of your $160 million quarterback, why you would send Graham Gano out there knowing full well it's public information that he needs potentially see a season-ending knee surgery and you rely on him not to kick just one but to kick two field goals, including the potential game winner, which turned out to be the game loser. Like it's just it's crazy to me that this situation has been allowed to repeat. It brings us to, I mean, all these injuries, um, and we've talked about Tyrod as well. It's brought us to the situation at quarterback, which is just hard to stomach, Dan. I mean, I don't, I'm not hating on Tommy DeVito or anything, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard to watch the Giants bring in Tommy DeVito after Jones is out, and the Giants just clearly have no juice. They're going to get run out by the Raiders. You could just see it coming. It was just ugly, 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 ugly from the start. There was just no juice in that game. We knew that was coming. Meanwhile, like earlier in the day, you've got the Vikings bringing in Joshua Dobbs. He shows up to the facility after the trade deadline, takes zero first team reps, gets thrusted into action, and leads the friggin' Vikings to a win over the Falcons. So just, it's the gr- a great story. I know that's completely separate from the Giants situation, but like, don't tell me that Tommy DeVito is the only option the Giants had. They just didn't plan well, right? They didn't plan well. It's just no, and as it, simple as that. We, we, it's, it's literally the same argument that we had last week is why didn't the Giants prepare at quarterback? Um, And again, it's not me patting myself on the back. It's just evident that if you are familiar with Tyrod Taylor's career and familiar with the Giants' offensive line and how much Tyrod's going to get hit and have to run, that there was a high probability for injury, which is something I'd said pregame. And, you know, it wasn't a prophecy. It was just an educated guess that a potential injury was coming and the Giants weren't prepared for it. Fast forward a week. The Giants are in the same situation. Daniel Jones has been forced to come back from a severe injury earlier. The injury probability is high, and again, the Giants didn't prepare for it. Instead of carrying a third quarterback or making sure there was an emergency quarterback on the roster, eh, they carried two kickers and then didn't use either one of them. (laughs) So, you know, it's just these bizarre personnel decisions, again, that are allowed to repeat with no consequences. And it's just the, the strangest thing to watch how this team handles their roster and their personnel. Who who deserves consequences there? Are you talking about Dayball? Well, it's his decision. You know what I mean? It was his decision to carry two kickers they weren't going to use instead of an emergency quarterback with the high probability that we're going to need the emergency quarterback. Um, you know, a week prior to that, they didn't allow Tommy DeVito to throw the football. So they went into the game knowing full well that Daniel Jones was one injured and two, there was a high probability that he would be re-injured or suffer a new injury. And they thought to themselves, well, we didn't trust Tommy DeVito last week, but he's changed a lot in three practices. So it's going to be it's, great. It's bizarre. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. And, and, and again, and I can't, I can't help but harp on it. You go back to the fact that they, they signed a kicker to the 53 man roster and promoted and elevated another kicker from the practice squad and didn't use either one of them. There was zero field goals attempted, zero point after attempts uh, attempted, and there was two kickoffs. So they wasted two roster spots, two game day roster spots on kickers that weren't used when they needed a quarterback. And that anybody watching and paying attention to this team knew damn well that they were going to need another quarterback. Two weeks running this happened. It's a, uh... It's just amazing. We we go from last year where we have some positive momentum and we're back in the mud. We're back. Like I said earlier, we're back in the misery. We're back in the misery. Um, it is wild. But yeah, Dan, I think we know why they didn't want T- Tommy DeVito throwing against the Jets a couple weeks ago. It's because when he does throw in a normal setting with good weather in a dome like that in, in Vegas, 
he gets sacked half the time. So you can't, you can't really drop him back too often and let him throw. But well, here and you know what's ironic about all of that is we're going to go into this week, this coming week against the Cowboys, and it's going to be the same scenario. Now, Tommy DeVito is a rookie; he doesn't have this long history of injuries that Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor do. But you're playing behind an offensive line that is struggling to pass protect, has struggled to pass protect all year against a vicious front seven that is going to bring the house on every single play. The probability for injury at the quarterback position is high for the third week in a row. And I guarantee you the Giants will not have an emergency quarterback at their disposal, nor will they have three quarterbacks on the roster come come Sunday. It'll be either Tommy DeVito and Matt or Matt Barkley at the top, and then the opposite one right behind them. And that's how it's going to be. And the Giants, again, high probability that they're going to find themselves short where Paris Campbell and Saquon Barkley are once again for the third week in a row potentially warming up at quarterback. Well, Dan, we got to have an extra kicker just in case. You got to be, you got to plan for every angle here, especially when you're playing the Cowboys. Maybe, maybe, maybe this week they'll carry a second long. Scenario. I mean, my God. So, uh, yeah, we're. There's there's stuff we haven't even gotten to yet, but let's take a break. Uh, we got the Cowboys coming up. Will it be Tommy time again? Will it be Barkley time? We'll get into that a little bit in this game against the Cowboys. The spread is out of control in favor of Dallas. All that coming up next. But first, fantasy, fantasy advice for Week 10. Corey Bonini here of TheHuddle.com to bring you fantasy football strong plays for Week number 10. Quarterback Geno Smith, Seattle Seahawks versus Washington Commanders. Quarterbacks have posted at least 279 yards and two touchdowns in five of the last six contests against Washington, helping make this matchup 32.3% better than the league average in that time frame. Smith has more or less been a fantasy anchor this year, but he has the weapons to get the job done here if you're in need of a warm body with a plus matchup, given the likes of Patrick Mahomes, Matthew Stafford, Tua Tungavailoa, and Jalen Hurts are all on by. Running back Brian Robinson Jr., Washington Commanders at Seattle Seahawks. Let's take a look at the other side of this matchup. On the ground, running backs have averaged 21.8 attempts, just over 116 rushing yards, and a score per game in the last month against the Seahawks. This matchup is much stronger on the ground for Robinson to exploit than via the aerial game, which is where we'll see Antonio Gibson step up. You can find solid RB2 worth here, and Robinson has a rather sturdy floor based on his workload. Washington is going to look to keep Geno Smith and company off the field, and relying on Robinson is the smartest way to accomplish that. Wide receiver Marquise Brown, Arizona Cardinals versus Atlanta Falcons. Quarterback Kyler Murray returns this week, and he'll look to reconnect with Brown. The Falcons have given up the 10th fewest receptions per game since week 4, but this is the easiest opponent against which to score a touchdown in that time frame. 7 of the 55 grabs, or 1 every 7.9, has found the end zone, and this is the third best matchup for PPR efficiency. Brown is a risk-reward wide receiver 3 with number 2 level upside. Logan Thomas, Washington Commanders at Seattle Seahawks. While we typically look to diversify the players and matchups we choose, it's just hard to get away from this one. There's so many angles where fantasy owners can take advantage, especially with so many quality players on by this week. Despite maintaining a consistently valid target share, Thomas has produced erratic results and has a rather low ceiling, especially without finding the end zone. He's a weak flyer for a score, but the volume data against Seattle suggests that he could be a favorable play with a reception-heavy showing in PPR scoring. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle. All right, we're back. Uh, Dan, this should be fun. The Giants play Dallas this week uh, in, in in Dallas. Uh, this game, obviously, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they annihilated the Giants 40 to nothing in the season opener at MetLife. Uh, this could have been circled as a revenge game. Hopefully the Giants got back on track by this point in the season. It's not the case. Mm. It's gotten worse. Um, and the Cowboys, you know, 
They're even coming off a competitive loss to the Eagles, so they're not going to be taking the Giants lightly at all. And Dak Prescott's kind of playing some of the best football he's played in recent, at least in recent weeks. He's been playing some really good football. So, oh yeah, and did we mention that it's either going to be Tommy DeVito or Matt Barkley at quarterback for the Giants? So mm. uh, this one, it almost feel, feels like the, the Dallas defense is going to eat whatever quarterback is put in there alive, Dan. It's going to be kind of one of those games, but what's just kind of your leadoff take on the situation the Giants are in going into Dallas this week? a team that they have not fared well against um, in recent seasons, obviously. Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> it's going to be very unpleasant. It's not, it's not, yeah. there's no way it's going to be positive in any way, shape or not going to be like China. Thanksgiving day last year in Dallas. Not nothing close. There is, to that. There's no, there's no miracles coming here with this one. There's no one coming to save the giants on this one. And unfortunately, if the person who's really going to suffer for this is going to be Saquon Barkley, who's, who's just going to have the box stacked against him. He's going to have to carry 30 plus times. He's going to get the hell beat out of him. Um, hopefully he stays healthy. And I don't know what else. I guess that's what you're looking at. Like when you're watching this game as a Giants fan, let's just get Saquon through this game healthy. Let's get Dex through this game healthy. Let's get, you know, Micah McFadden through this game healthy and, 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 you know, try and figure it out in the weeks after that and how to piece this thing together for the rest of the season. But this particular game has the potential. If you think the week one was ugly, this game has the potential to be way uglier than that one. Yeah. Um, And I, you know, I fear for Tommy DeVito if he's, you know, slated to start this game, but you know, it it seemed like there was some momentum on DeVito here going, going into the week, Dan. Uh, And I know Art Stapleton wrote about DeVito being the best option for the Giants going forward. And Dayball has talked up, Tommy DeVito, even though it hasn't looked good when he's on the field, he's talked him up and said he's doing good. And but we also know we have Matt Barkley now on the roster. He's been here for a couple weeks and he's got way more experience and he's got a history with, I think, Dayball. Were they together in Buffalo, Dan Barkley and Dayball? They were. They, they, yeah. they were. So they he, he some, is familiar. Yeah. He is somewhat familiar with this offensive system. Sure. So you were I, I thought it was Tommy time coming into the show uh, even though we don't have an official word we're recording on Wednesday morning here so we'll probably find out here in a couple days but uh, I thought it was gonna be Tommy time I was ready to rant about that but you think it's Barkley time is that where you're leaning I I certainly think that it could be Barkley time I I, you know Dayball was very clear in that he had not made a decision on who was going to start this week and when he was pressed on on Tommy DeVito he he really kind of was a little critical and really pumped the brakes on the whole notion that he's going to be the guy under center. Um, he listen, he's an undrafted rookie for a reason. You know, he, he has thrown a grand total as of this recording, a zero first team passes to, you know, <laughs> to any of his teammates in practice. Yeah. So, it, you know, and again, it's not to say that Barkley has done that because he certainly hasn't done that either, but he actually has significantly more experience within Brian Dayball's system, or at least Brian the, Day, the Brian Dayball influence system, um, than Tommy DeVito does. And again, do you really want to throw an inexperienced, undrafted rookie free agent out against the Dallas Cowboys defense and just hope for the best? I don't think because so. Because that's an absolute <laughs> recipe for disaster. No, I'm not saying that Matt Barkley is any kind of giant savior or that, you know, his immediate future is any more brighter than Tommy DeVito's because frankly, I think Tommy DeVito may, may have a decent future ahead of him. Um, and that's not a knock on Barkley either. It's just, you know, this is the unfortunate situation that the giants have themselves in when it comes to quarterbacks. And, you know, I know they signed um, Jacob Eason uh, to the practice squad. Uh, you know, he's a day in, he's obviously not really going to factor in. Difference here, so. maker. <laughs> 
Yeah, champ championship. Here it comes. Um, so it is going to come down to Devito on Barkley, in my opinion. But I kind of give the edge to Barkley, just given that he has played in spot duty and in completely random duty. You know, just signed off the street, thrown into a day ball system before, and and went out there and performed, you know, moderately well. So. I, I think he's comfortable enough and familiar enough with the terminology that he might actually stand a better chance against a defense like Dallas than would Tommy DeVito, who is clearly struggling with some processing issues and and, dis, and defensive disguises and coverages. This is all new to him. It's all brand new to him. It's not a knock on him. It's just it's the reality of the situation. So I think that Barkley may be the safer pick for the Giants, even though I don't really believe it's going to make any kind of dent in the ultimate outcome of this game. Right, yeah, and I feel bad like crapping on Tommy DeVito because he's a developmental quarterback who should be running the scout team. He should be out there yeah. running the Giants' offense, um, especially without Darren Waller. And you know, I mean, this is just a in the offensive line, and you know, it just it is what it is. It's a terrible situation right now. He's not supposed he to be playing. Have been, yeah, he couldn't have been thrown into a worse situation. No, it's this is terrible. It's completely unfair to him. Completely yeah, completely unfair. Yeah, and and you mentioned it right. He hasn't had one first team rep in practice yet. Is that Not true? One. That one. Yeah, today, today, as of this recording, this afternoon will be the first one. It's unbelievable. It is just unbelievable. So, yeah, so uh, the spread on this game, Dan, we always pick against the spread of the show. It's I think people that listen, this is one of their favorite parts of the show. Me too, because you've done um, just excellent getting a gauge for the Giants. You're very down on them, I can tell this week. And the spread is 16 and a half in favor of Dallas. At time of recording, it could go up. Uh, but the spread is 16 and a half for Dallas. The over under is 38 and a half. So, so that's the craziest thing. So I think in the betting world, I'm I'm far from a betting expert, but I, I think in the betting world, when you have a huge like balloon spread like this, 16 and a half, but the over under is under 40. Typically, that tends to lend itself to the underdog in those kind of games. But uh, I just I I'm not taking the Giants to cover. Uh, this game, Dan, this is me. I learned my lesson last week. You told me not to. You said Vegas was going to win outright. I was like, what? What the hell are you talking about, Dan? And you were right. So uh, I had to I had to eat it last week, when, and, and I could tell right away, too. As soon as Jones didn't look right, I'm like, well, they're screwed. Um, but 16 and a half, what do you think? Dallas or Giants? You think Dallas can cover that spread at home? Oh, 110%. 110. No hesitation. This is going to this is going to be an astronomical butt whooping is what this is going to be. There's just it, the only chance the Giants have is that the Cowboys substitute their starters and kind of take their foot off the gas. But even then, I think by that point, they're going to be up 25, 28 points. So and the Giants, let's just be honest, they're not going to score much at all, probably against Dallas's defense. They're going to be lucky if they can get out of there with their heads. So, I mean, this this has all the makings of a you know, like a 37 to maybe seven, maybe seven kind of game. Uh, so the over under might actually go under just because the Cowboys are going to pile up so many points, but yeah, the giants are, they're just, they're just not going to come close. And, you know, I, I realize it's against the grain to bet that kind of spread and not go with the underdog, as you said, but in this particular case, it's hard to envision a scenario, which the giants aren't completely and totally annihilated. It's hard to just picture them scoring any points, right? How are they going to score? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. I say maybe seven. If they scored seven, it might be miraculous. It's got to be something crazy like a kickoff return or a punt return or something like that. 
Dallas a good pick at the survivor pool, Dan, this week if you're still alive? I would say that's pretty that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> I think that's where I'm leaning. I'm still alive and I've been saving Dallas and I feel like this is the time to just spring Dallas on everybody. Here we go. Because <laughs> I don't think the Giants are gonna But who shot. knows? You know, like again, and you've heard me say this a million times. I really don't foresee it in this game, but you can't discount the, the fact that the Giants historically find ways to do crazy things in games like this. Yeah. When there is just nothing that would suggest in any way, shape, or form that they even stand a chance and they come out and play some kind of reckless game. But and, and, I don't know, think these Giants are going to be those Giants. It's hard to picture, but it is Mike McCarthy and that whole organization over there. So you never know with Dallas. They could come out and just be sleepwalking. And you heard it here. O'Leary is leaning Dallas at his survivor pool. So Giants might win this thing outright or at least have a chance <laughs> to. Because that's my life. Like, you know, a 17 point spread, you pick the team favored by 17 and your survivor pool lose. Uh, that's just how it uh, that's just how it is. So we'll see. Maybe maybe it's Tommy time. Maybe Matt Barkley comes out, looks like Joe Montana, and you know, the Giants are <laughs> saved. I highly doubt that, that would be that would be something. I start to believe that we're in some sort of alternate universe if that happens. All right, Dan, what what are you working on for Giants Wire here leading up to the game? I'm seeing a lot of 2024 draft stuff, so are we already turning the page there? <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I'm going to be honest. I absolutely despise <laughs> that, that. That This early, I mean, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. We're already talking about this stuff. But yeah, you're going to be seeing a lot of 2024 draft stuff. Um, you know, some mid-season stuff, PFF grades and such at the midway point, we'll be keeping an eye on the whole Xavier McKinney drama. Uh, that whole thing seems to be, you know, not playing out in his favor. Let's just put it that way with other team captains suggesting that his, um, his criticisms of the coaching staff and how they don't hear the veterans and the leaders on the team is not necessarily true. Seems like he may be grading a little bit earlier over his lack of a contract. Uh, he's making business decisions out on the field, as we talked about earlier in this show. Um, so we'll definitely be covering a lot of that stuff if it's addressed further this week. If not, um, yeah, paying attention to the quarterback battle, the personnel decisions leading up to the game, because that's obviously becoming a hot topic. And, and like I said earlier, there's going to be a lot of 2024 draft conversation, mock drafts, uh, discussion over quarterbacks and where teams are picking and what the Giants need to do to secure the first. I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Secure the first round, first overall pick. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, we're already kind of turning the page next year, which is not in a million years where I envisioned us being at this point. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat with this freaking <laughs> team. But, yeah, the, the Xavier McKinney stuff, that, that's a good teaser. That was a topic we didn't get to. Um, but, yeah, the Giants wire is the place to be. There's some good stuff on Xavier McKinney. There's also a great article on a spat between Antonio Pierce and Josh McDaniels that actually led to McDaniels getting fired and That's Pierce hilarious. getting a job. Yeah, so if, if people have not re- heard that story yet, uh, check that out on Giants Wire as well. Again, there's a re- Antonio Pierce got the job, the interim job, because of something that came out in a team meeting where McDaniels actually asked Antonio Pierce to speak, and he spoke about the, 20, the 2007 uh game where the Giants beat the Patriots and he talked about how the Giants had to go in there with the mindset to win and he said nothing incriminating but McDaniels got mad at him and it led to a little bit of a spat that led to McDaniels getting fired I agree with Josh McDaniels you how dare you say I knew I was you know what listen I don't mean to rub salt in your wound from you know how dare you Antonio Pierce ago how dare uh, you listen 
it's <laughs> how, how many years removed from what is it? Almost 16 years removed you from that game. You keep those Patriots and, out of your mouth, Pierce. And the Giants are still handing those Patriots L's oh, to this day. It's and amazing. It's, that one will never. That one will never die. They've got that one for <laughs> you. Got, Giants fans can hang that over Patriots fans' heads for the rest of eternity. That's never got the only the only way I escape that, Dan, is when I'm in the grave someday. You know that is it. Uh, so yeah, Antonio Pierce, how dare you bring up the Patriots? I agree with Josh McDaniels. Unfortunately, McDaniels is now fired, and the Raiders yeah, look sorry. the Raiders look astronomically better now with Antonio Pierce as their coach. So whatever. Whatever. Uh, McDaniels will be back on Belichick's staff here in no time. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, you wait. 2024, the Patriots will be coached by Mike Vrabel as the head coach, Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. This is what's coming. So, whatever. Um, anywho, yeah. Giants Wire is the place to be. Definitely check out that Pierce McDaniel story. It's awesome. Uh, and everything else leading up to kickoff and beyond, that's the place to be. For Dan, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks as always for joining us on the pod. We'll be back for more Giants. Misery, more Giants talk. I don't know, Dan. I uh, can't imagine it's going to be a great, you know, great misery. feeling coming out of this one. Yeah, misery is the, right word. the appropriate yep. term. We'll be back to talk more Giants misery next week, and we hope you join us. We'll talk to you then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of. Uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.